right, we're back. It is Wednesday, recording this 5.30, back in Ryan's apartment. Um, it's been a pretty shitty week, um, all in all. You know, when something like this happens in the sports world or in life in general, it kind of makes you reflect, and it's been sort of a, a glum sort of melancholy week across the board. Um, of course, I'm referring to uh, the passing of, of Kobe Bryant on Sunday. Uh, just one of the most devastating deaths that I can recall. You know, I'm only 25, and when shit like this happens, it just makes you sort of pause and, and think. And this happened on Sunday. Uh, like I said, we're recording this on Wednesday. And honestly, three days removed from it, it's still just as obscure and devastating and does not really feel like a real thing. It still kind of feels like you're just in this weird haze and, and this fog and you look around, you know, <clears throat> all the social media, all the outlets it, 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 around the league itself. And it's still very, very hard to believe. But... Kobe Bryant, uh, one of the most dynamic athletes of our generation, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, um, dead at 42, Ryan, uh, when this happened on Sunday, uh, you know, we were texting, tell me first how you found out and what your initial reaction to, to the breaking news was. So Sunday was, uh, supposed to be kind of a low key watch golf all day, chill, do homework nothing big was going to happen. And so I'm sitting, I'm sitting on a couch. I have my laptop open. Tory Pines is on the TV and I get on Facebook and I just see that someone had shared a TMZ post. And I was like, what, like, what the hell? No way. And this is some fake news or, or somebody on Facebook just sharing something stupid, which is right on brand for, you know, the type of stuff that, that is shared on Facebook these days. So I immediately went to Twitter, started just searching Kobe, searching Kobe, and the the news pops up pretty immediately. The, the TMZ stories there, people are like just kind of online panicking in a way. It was, it was a, a weird, like, no way this is true type shock moment where everybody seemed to be doing the exact same thing to the point where... I'm not sure if this was just my computer or like Twitter overall, but like my, my Twitter's like running slow. I couldn't load certain things. It was like everybody on the, in the sports world was trying to find out what the heck was going on. And eventually the report is confirmed. The team Z report was confirmed and you find out that, that Kobe Bryant was, was dead. I had been playing uh, disc golf with uh, my roommate, a couple of buddies and we got home uh, and uh, I, I went to my, my bedroom just to kind of, you know, change and, and sort of decompress a sec before we, you know, kind of flipped on. We intended to watch the, the Rockets and Nuggets game and just chill and have a, you know, sort of a relaxed afternoon. And I get a text from the commissioner of my fantasy basketball league. And it's the TMZ article and I opened it up and my first reaction was anger because I was like, why would this dude send out a fake news link like this? That's such a shitty move. And the fact that my brain immediately went there, I think is true for a lot of people where you immediately just go into denial mode. 
Um, mm-hmm. cause you don't want to believe, well, it's not even like you don't want to believe that it's real. It's just you, your brain refuses to believe it because Kobe was such like a force that you're like a dude at the, like the, pr- in the prime of his life, like 42 years old, three who, years removed from, from retirement, not even who had just dominated the NBA for decades and now was in the next stage of his life and still was sort of active, but had like transitioned pretty gracefully into the, the yeah, next stage it, it was a seamless transition where you were excited fully excited and, and with anticipation about where kobe was going to be for the next 30 years so i walk out of my bedroom and i'm just like guys like i just show my phone like because I, I had no words and we frantically sort of like you just like get onto twitter immediately and we're just like we need somebody else to corroborate this because mm-hmm. tmz while they're you know more often than not correct when it comes to this kind of stuff like you're just praying to god that they got a bad a, you know a bad source or, or something and nobody else is confirming it and then you know devastatingly a local outlet i, I think abc in, in la um they confirm with the coroner that uh, uh the the person at least one of the passengers of this of this helicopter flight was was indeed kobe bryant and i was absolutely just beside myself speechless and we just kind of sat there the four of us and just in in complete disbelief and then my folks call me like two minutes later and they're blissfully unaware they were just you know we have this thing where they'll call me on, on the weekends we'll kind of just um just, just shoot the shit for like half an hour because they live in houston i live in, in dallas fort worth um and that's sort of our time to reconnect and i'm just like did y'all did y'all hear and you know they're like no we had no I was like what are you talking about i was like yeah, kobe's dead and my parents, who were both in their 50s, were just equally as just in disbelief and dejected. It, it was such an interesting, and interesting may not be the right word for that, but just it was insane to me that you go on to any any form of social media and it's just all it is is Kobe. <clears throat> and everyone's everyone's just like, there's no way, there's no way, not him, not Kobe. Yeah, so it's interesting you bring your parents up because I texted my dad and me and my dad text thought he lives here in Dallas with me um, in the same area, still in the house that we grew up in and everything. And I texted him and I, I just said, Kobe died, question mark, because I was in just a state of confusion and he, he had no clue. He had no idea. And he called me immediately and it was sort of the same kind of thing. It was like this, what the heck is going on? So we hang up, I get back on the internet, and the thing that struck me the most was when the when the confusion was going out, the amount of just outright panic from literally every single person on the internet, it seemed. Every sports personality, um, the, uh, a local, you know, uh, Luca, mm-hmm. Luca was posting like his, his mom had died, and he was like frantically trying to like, no, 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 please, no. That kind of stuff. So, so that kind of like, lo- like panicked love for this guy was what kind of struck me, and it only continued as we, as the story developed, it was confirmed, and we moved, you know, further into into, I guess, what had happened. And I don't think there's ever been a time where I've seen my social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, completely taken over by one story this was and is still currently a, just a massive death for for the world i, I like I, you just said I, I cannot recall a similar experience um you know it's and it's so strange and i was talking about this earlier this week it's like obviously neither of us have 
met Kobe, but we grew up watching him absolutely dominate the competition and become one of the most, uh, just the largest personalities in sports across any of the major sports. And he was just a mainstay in several. I mean, if I was thinking earlier, if you pulled a hundred Americans and said, do you know who Kobe Bryant is? I would put money that 99 mm. of those folks would say, oh yeah, Kobe Bryant, he plays basketball for the Lakers. You say 99 and I'd, I'd probably argue and say that a hundred out of a hundred would know who he is. He was that polarizing of a figure. And the, um, obviously the initial news is, is just, one of those just complete gut punches takes the wind out of you completely and it it ruins your day um and i'm not saying like i'm not trying to at in in any way compare my grief to people who actually knew and loved kobe but it's just it was so crazy to me that i saw how in that moment i was like this dude impacted so many people across mm-hmm. just sports he transcended sports he's transcended the nba he was he was Kobe. He was the Mamba and a guy who was just so full of life. Just seeing that just come to a, a, a complete stop in, in a, abrupt, just non-existence is something, something that I have not seen in my 25 years. And I doubt we'll see for the rest of my life. I honestly, I can't fathom something like this occurring again and you know that's not to say i'm like a fortune teller or anything but you have like your brain immediately goes to looking ahead to and it, this is unfortunate part about being a sports fan like who could have something that would be as impactful as this and i was coming up empty and then you look in the past and be like has anything like this ever uh ever occurred in the most comparable experience and i think i texted you this like the only thing that's elicited a similar response for me personally was finding out about robin williams and it's still did not even hold a candle to this mm-hmm. um, because I, I don't, I don't know why it's sort of inexplicable, but I, th- I think why this was such like a, a shocking and, and gripping sort of tragedy was that unlike other forms of entertainment with, with athletes, you pour so much into like watching these guys, hating these guys, rooting for and against these guys throughout the course of their career. And Kobe's a guy that was in the league since he was 17 years old. So we saw him literally grow up, watched him at our age. We grew up with him. Um, he was a constant presence um, in the NBA for, for 20 years. So when a guy like this suddenly passes away, it's gutting. It's you, you spent so much time reading about these guys, watching these guys and, and either rooting for or against them. It, I mean, it gripped me and I, I'm not a Lakers fan at all. I, like I said earlier, I was, I planned on doing homework all day and I can confidently say that I didn't get anything done because all I was doing was reading Twitter and it was emotional. I I was sitting here in my apartment and just in awe of, like how much outpouring like support he was he was getting it was it was emotional i can't fathom an nba without kobe on the sidelines he was transitioning into you know when he first retired he took a step away and he focused on you know he 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 became sort of a he he poured in as much attention to detail care and tenacity into his next venture with you know with his business investments and um you know coaching his daughters and being a father 
to his his you know his four daughters that he poured into his playing career he took a step back and he was slowly starting to reemerge and and you would see him on the sidelines whether that's if you're actually watching the game or you'd see the clips i mean the craziest thing about this maybe not the craziest thing but the night before he was on the sidelines congratulating lebron james for surpassing him in, in points totals for his career and not you know a, 16 hours later he's he's gone he and it's just it's so hard to comprehend and then you you're left sitting here thinking why why would something like this happen how did this happen and you come to find out that you know it was just um very disagreeable conditions to be flying a helicopter and it's just tragic and the human brain the fact that it automatically goes to trying to figure out something like this and trying to rationalize it some some things are inexplicable this is one of those things where it's just like there's no maybe there's not a why it's just it's just devastating and it, it's an un, it, indescribable it, it's indescribably an unspe- painful it, yeah it's an unspeakable tragedy and if i mean we go back to when the news first broke and how confusing it was and as journalism students i'm sure you can elaborate on this. It was an absolute sort of failure. It was on, an absolute clusterfuck and very, very frustrating when, you know, TMZ, the fact of the matter is that TMZ broke this story before the family was notified, which is like day one J school. They tell you this is like a no, no in the biz. You just don't do this because it's unethical handle and morally with care. reprehensible. Mm-hmm. So that happened. And then you think that TMZ, which is just smut, that, you know, when it comes to stories like this, they rarely get wrong, but you're hoping like they got, they just got a bad piece of information. Then you have a, t- a, a, a Titan like ABC come in and say, well, not only was it Kobe, but I think they first reported that he was with a couple of his daughters as well. Not, not a couple of his daughters. They reported of, that all four daughters were on board the helicopter because there was, there was a point where I read that and I thought to myself, if this story was already the worst it could possibly be, it just exceeded those tragic expectations because luckily that was shot down pretty quickly. Yep. But I was just, I found myself mad and upset here that, that could even get out like it was just complete failure by like every journalistic standard we both know how a newsroom operates and the fact that there was somebody saying like hey we have this piece of information let's run with it and the editor uh, or whoever was in charge was like yeah let's let's go let's go let's get those clicks it's it's infuriating that in 2020 it's more important to be first than to be right and it's absolute bullshit it's a bastardization of journalism Mm -hmm. and it's 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 embarrassing it's like mortifying it, and it's it's just sullies the entire thing just leaves a really bad taste in your mouth it turns out that his his four daughters were not on the plane with him however one of his daughters gianna Gigi, his 13 year old was with him and the fact that a, a, a well known and well respected outlet was able to publish this misinformation this, this is just perplexing and inexplicable and it's it's a joke man I, it, that's, it's, it's I, complete joke. i went from com- complete and utter devastation and depression to anger just right back to just this this feeling of emptiness inside and it's crazy that i was sitting there just feeling just super super dejected and mopey and i'm like i didn't even know the dude but i think it's well founded that 
kids our age, people our age who grew up watching Kobe and just appreciating his excellence. And the thing about Kobe is you were either from LA or, you know, a bandwagon Laker fan, or you love to hate him. Mm-hmm. And he was such a polarizing figure, like you said, and he loved being yeah, that... hated. He loved being the heel. He, if he was a wrestler, he would have been the best heel of all time. He didn't give a shit what you thought about him. It was win at all costs, put the team on my back, win no matter what. And as kids, and this continues to today, we are always debating who's the GOAT. And typically the conversation is LeBron versus MJ. And occasionally Kobe stands with stand up like Kobe's the greatest of all time. But honestly, it feels really disingenuous to try to have that conversation because Kobe was one of a kind. Like Back. he truly was one of a kind. Um, people say he was he he was the most comparable to Michael Jordan just in his demeanor and his playing style. But I think I hate the conversation. I hate the co- the the Jordan versus LeBron debate. I think it's like comparing apples and oranges. Why can't we just appreciate Kobe for who he was? And that is just this force of nature to be this force to be reckoned with, who just destroyed the NBA for decades and just captured so much attention. And he came in before the really he broke into the league before the social media explosion. But he, he, you know, his career started to, um, you know, he got he got a, a bit older and he retired gracefully and he was just beloved. And I don't think that we will, well, I mean, I hope that we experience nothing like this again, but I don't think anything like this has ever happened in sports. For, I don't think you, so either. You look this, across- this, was, this was the most polarizing sports death of all time because Kobe was such... He was such a force, like you said. You either hated him or you loved him, and he played the game in a way that, like, no one. You can compare it to Jordan, LeBron, like you said, but that's disingenuous. Um, he was Kobe. He was Mamba. He won at all costs. He's a guy that'll that would walk directly out and shoot two free throws with his Achilles up in his calf, and then film an entire documentary about the length it took to get back to the court. He he was a role model. He was the hardest worker that I've ever witnessed in sports. And, I mean, I'm going to miss him. I'm, I'm going to miss the next 30 years where we could have seen that courtside presence. As a Mavericks fan, not even a month ago, he 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 was on the Mavericks sideline. And he apparently learned some phrases in Slovakian just to talk seven seconds of shit to Luka. And, and he was a family man. He brought his daughter everywhere. Him and Gianna were like two peas in a pod and it's heartbreaking to see and that just elevated the story to a completely new level and it just i mean it just sucks dude lost in i mean not necessarily lost in all of this but you you touched on gianna um and we were talking about this before the show you know our generation really um appreciates what's what's coming next we're looking always looking for the next big thing but novelty at the same time scares the shit out of us. We like sequels. We like remakes. We like running back, running it back if it works. And you, that sort of manifests itself in today's NBA landscape. And the young prospects you look at are Zaire Wade and Bronny, Bronny James. And like, you're hoping that they can like, you know, fall in their father's footsteps. And I was always curious about what, what about Kobe's legacy? Um, And I wasn't aware of his relationship with his daughter, Gianna. And the clip that I saw that really, um, and there have been so many pieces of, 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 of media over the last couple of days that just like really just tear into your soul and that are just absolutely gut-wrenching. But he was on Kimmel 
I believe. And Kobe was telling a story about how a Lakers fan approached him and was like, Kobe, you know, you got to have a son. You got to pass on your legacy. And his daughter was with him. And she sort of like raised her hand and was like, oh, don't worry, my guy. I got it. Gianna was 13. Um, she was an absolute stud. Absolute stud. She had the the same playing style as Kobe. And they did, um, I, I can't remember which outlet did it. It might have just been a random egg on Twitter. But they cut up Kobe highlights with Gianna's highlights on her select team that Kobe coached, by the way. And it's just like, it's the, the similarities are undeniable. And it's just, it's so, it's such just a, a heartbreaking story across mm. the board. And we as, as sports fans are deprived of the next, you know, 40 to 45 years of Kobe sitting on a, a sideline. He was supposed to be sitting in Jack Nicholson's seat on the Lakers sideline. He was supposed to be Spike Lee. He was the league the course of the NBA has been forever changed, and this story will probably, it will always be a, a center of conversation if you ever have to talk about basketball going forward. A, a thousand percent. And it'll be interesting to see how they continue to honor Kobe and his legacy as we move through the NBA season, because um, we're not even halfway halfway done and this kind of stuff happens. Um, I feel bad, obviously, like you touched on, I can't possibly fathom how the people that were closest to him feel because he was such like a, uh, uh, in your face polarizing type example of a human being to, to be that the people that were directly tied to him personally are probably experiencing the biggest loss and void that, that they're not going to be able to replace. Um, I, you know, I, I, I send my prayers to Vanessa and that whole family. The, the video, I think that, got me the most through a weekend that every video got me. I was sitting at the counter watching Twitter videos, just like breaking into tears at certain points. And it was just like, what, like I'm really crying right now. It, sh it shook my, it shook my whole, my whole, you know, demeanor. And, but the one that really, really spoke to me was last night, the TNT broadcast with Shaq. I mean, they had a complicated relationship. They had a relationship where they would go back and forth and it ended up breaking up that, you know, potential ultra dynasty that they had together and him on TNT, seven feet tall, just breaking down, telling Kenny and the gang that he like he loves him and he, he needs to talk to him more because it, 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 it was a true like. Tell your friends you love them. Tell the people you care about you love them. I sent, I've sent texts out to all my really close friends like, hey, man, I love you. If anything happens to you, like, just know that, that I love you or anything happens to me, just know that I love you. And it's just one of those like life lessons that, that are life events that teaches you a very tragic message that this, this thing is short and no matter who you are, it could end in an instant. And tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yeah. And it's just, it's so painfully obvious with a death like this is it's just because Kobe was, man, he was just an absolute unstoppable force he really was mm -hmm. he was just a fireball and it, it the, the fireball was extinguished just in the blink of an eye and it's just it, it like you said um really makes you question um for me i got really existential with it which i won't really get into but it's yeah. just like dude if, if something like this can happen then really who's like who's pulling the strings and how do you explain that like <laughs> it's, how do you it's, it's, how it's, the fuck do you rationalize this man so we can get into it a little bit we won't get too into it but i had the same sort of thoughts in my brain where i was like how can this 
be something that happens in the world. Because it's not only Kobe, but why do you got to drag in his 13-year-old daughter who is on the who is going to be just a force in the world? Mm. And it, it just made me really, really depressed, <laughs> to be honest. And, and it sucks. And there's supposed to be some message that we pull from it. And I'm coming up empty. Like, I, it's just there's... <laughs> You're supposed to be able to find like a you know a silver lining to this, but there's just there's really not. There's really not. It's you know it, it was so wild to see on Sunday how the, the news broke and not a couple of, not not two hours later we had basketball. We had the Nuggets and Rockets playing. Yeah, and that was absolutely insane. It, seeing Tyson Chandler on on the bench, just Austin crying. Rivers it was, as well. It was just and in that like you said, seeing how deeply impacted several of these players were you could tell how much he meant to not only our generation player but the people who didn't even really experience he was the prime part of his of career the dna of the national basketball association and you know it's a conversation from the another day but i was sitting there thinking you can't fucking play basketball today you need to cancel all the games and you know my roommate's like well you have to think about the revenue and he's you know he's he's a little bit more rational than i am i'm like well you Sure, like you have all these fans who who bought tickets and you have the TV rights and whatnot, but dude, like I I cannot believe that basketball was played that day. And and maybe it's best. I don't know. I don't know what the players wanted. If they said like you know I need to do I need escapism. I need to do something to take my mind off of this. Sure, I thought it was I thought it was a I thought it was a weird move, and it just felt like like you were watching it. And I remember watching the pregame ceremony between the the you know. Uh, the nuggets and the rockets and thankfully uh, this didn't you know occur again but like they had the like the the prelude music and like the the timeout music and they cut it really quickly because i'm like this game needs to be playing silence like there should be no there should be no um festivities associated with this there should be no no music there should be no broadcasting or the pa announcing and it needs to be played in silence because this is such a morose and, and, and just completely a depressing day I, I agree with you too and I, I had the same sort of initial reaction I thought of of the logistics it takes to actually like cancel an NBA game yeah um they canceled the Tuesday game the Lakers Clippers right I don't know if I'm in the minority I think I am but I thought they should have played that game I totally agree because really because not only was it a Lakers game it was an LA game it was at Staples Center it was LA versus LA it was a couple of days removed from the kind of shock of the initial tragedy. And it was LeBron James playing in that game. I, it's, it's, to me, it's like a thing where you're like, what would Kobe want? And I'll bet you anything he would have wanted. He would have wanted that game played because he's a basketball player and that's what he was. That's what he, that's what he, he always wanted to be the greatest of all time. If I saw a funny picture of his yearbook photo in high school, mm-hmm. and you know they they have the quote, all it said was NBA dash enough said, and I was like, oh, this that's man, Kobe. that's Kobe. This, yeah, I was like, this man's been he's had a one track mind, had a one track mind. He's going to attain the goal of being the greatest of all time, or he's going to you know die doing it. Uh, just I mean, that's 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 really all you can say about Kobe. It's it's heartbreaking um do you have a favorite kobe bryant moment i I, I tweeted this out man um when i was a kid i used to watch sports center just on a loop hours after just and it's you know as sports center it's not like there's not new stuff like when we were a kid it was literally the same Mm hour-long program repeated over and over and over and over again just to watch every hour every hour man (laughs) just like 
I could just eat that shit up. And outside of the Sports Center top ten, my favorite part was always the Make a Wish little shorts, um, where basically these these young kids with uh, terminal illnesses, uh, their wish through the Make a Wish Foundation would be to meet an athlete or hang out with an athlete. And there were so many good ones and so many really great um, moments where these kids who have struggled with in just unspeakable tragedy throughout their life and they're battling with sh- shit that like i could never ever yeah. fathom having to combat um some of which had been on the brink of death they all they wanted to do was meet their their idol their favorite athlete best one though was with this kid named sal um he was uh a young man who uh went through the foster care system uh if i if i recall correctly um yeah you do i i watched this and i missed it the first time and i only firstly saw it when you posted it and this kid had he just had the hardest life yep. you could possibly imagine he, he he went to move in with his aunt um and his wish and, he, and then he, he fell on a basketball court his, his biggest love was basketball he was a Love hell of a basketball player, honestly. Kids dude, like eleven, shot was twelve, like just incredible. raw, dude. <laughs> he didn't miss a single um, one. But he fell on the basketball court. Turns out he had he had cancer. They found it. Um, they, luckily, they caught it in time, and he went through chemo. Um, and at the at the time that this was shot, he was in remission. But when Make Wish approached him, he was like, "I just want to meet Kobe. Want to meet Kobe." So they set it up to where, um, and we'll link this video because it's just god damn i watch it every six months swear to god like if i'm you know if i just need a break from studying or like i'm on youtube and down a wormhole I, that's always one of my go-to's but they set it up to where they they convinced him he was filming a documentary for basketball fans um turns out kobe showed up and the dude it was with some of these segments it's just like okay yeah it's a cool moment but you know the athlete's not like completely invested they're just like trying to do it for the cameras which is shitty to say but they're still making the kids stay for sure but kobe was so invested man mm-hmm. it was so important that he wanted to make this kid sal happy he spent the entire day with him he played horse with him and it was so important lo- for he sal. lost in horse though yeah <laughs> and it was just like you know this dude kobe yeah loved this kid like he was so happy this kid idolized him and he just wanted to make his day and man he probably made his life because he was just like he was just a good dude like and mm-hmm. he's he's just it's so fucking unfortunate that you don't get to experience that anymore he does he belonged in the nba for the rest of his life and he's just not and it's just it's something that you won't really be able to comprehend and fuck dude going forward i'll be watching a lakers game i'll be watching an all-star game the hall of fame ceremony that he's going to be inducted Some you're just gonna be looking around and i think works. like there's a part of your mind we're gonna be looking around for kobe and he's just not gonna be there think that I think that says it beautifully so we're gonna take a quick break uh before we get to the rest of our rest of our segments but um just wrapping up uh mamba rest in peace rest um, in peace mamba thank you for all you've done for the league thank you for how impactful you've been on um several just millions of, of young americans childhoods yeah, thanks for just being an inspiration to a generation of human beings you just taught us to be tenacious um i guess that's really all that you have to say Okay, we're back. Um, next segment, we're going to talk about, you know, obviously the biggest sporting event in the world, the Super Bowl, uh, which hap- which which is this week, uh, this this Sunday. I think kickoff is five thirty. And off mic, we we're talking about how like this feels sort of like the least amount of juice a Super Bowl has had in, you know hell it may be in my entire in my entire life like i can't recall 
a time I was less enticed by the Super Bowl. And that's not necessarily a knock on the competition or like the teams playing in it. It just seems sort of like it's... The timing of the unfortunate Kobe news was... It, it obviously happened on Sunday. And so you lead directly into Super Bowl week, which typically is what's taking over like the social media, like internet world. And I think to speak to your point about it being kind of the most like unintentionally unhyped, I guess, Super Bowl is because it's all just been dominated by Kobe Bryant news, justifiably so, because it it's such a, it's such a tragedy. So it, you know, Kobe's death overshadowed the Grammys on Sunday. It will most likely not necessarily overshadow the Super Bowl because you can't deny that the Super Bowl next to maybe the World Cup is the biggest sporting event um, in, in the Western world. And mm-hmm. hell, maybe even across the globe, you, you know, it's 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 a bit hyperbolic. But uh, nonetheless, the Super Bowl will go on. Uh, it's this week. We have Chiefs 49ers. Last week, we sort of did a recap of the AFC and NFC Championship games. The Super Bowl, though, it's here. Media night was last night, Tuesday, or uh, Tuesday or Monday, Monday night. Uh, Monday night? Monday night. Monday night. Maybe. Don't Um, quote us. (laughs) You know, everybody's down in Miami. Uh, You know, all the stars are out. Uh, It's... It's in a it's in a great location. It really um, is in a great location. The content I've seen from you know the Barstool guys and some of the other outlets, it's been. I mean, is there any better place than Miami for the Super Bowl? Like, no, it should be. No, it man. should the Super Bowl should be in like a Southern Beach location every single year. Doesn't have to be Miami, but it should be somewhere where it's guaranteed to be. Like shorts and t-shirt weather. Agreed. Party outside. Texas every single year. You know, yeah, we're only a mile away from the most beautiful beach. Get as much smog as you can. No, it should never be in Texas. <laughs> I'll just say it right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, it. I, I can't recall a Super Bowl that has this much star power in it. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, a, You at least you hope it's going to be a hell of a game. The Chiefs, who have one of the best offenses in the league uh maybe in uh i i can't and and you're i would feel like you're a slightly bigger football fan than i am um although we're both pretty you know huge football fans you're a bit more in touch with um the history of the league and you've always been sort of like in lockstep and in tune with what's going on day to day and uh can you recall a Super Bowl that has not only this much star power, but that could potentially be this tightly contested? Um, n- no, honestly. Um, my mind immediately jumps to like the Cam Newton Peyton Manning Super Bowl just because of the star power aspect right. from it. But as far as offenses, it or oh, sorry, word vomit there. As far as two teams with the best offense, the best defense, captivating, captivating storylines, coaches that deserve to be there and probably deserve a win each. Um, no, I think we haven't seen something like this in a very long time, and I'm very, very excited. The storylines themselves, uh, I think, are very sort of magnetic. It, there are so many things to talk about this week, whether that's Jimmy G versus Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid versus Kyle Shanahan, uh, 
just speed versus grit on the defensive mm-hmm. side. A referring- true offense versus defense Super Bowl here. There's just it's what you want. It's exactly right, and I I think we're going to have a fantastic game. I think that it's going. You know, we're going to be sitting down next week and talking about one of the. You know, this might be a, a take, but one of the best Super Bowls of all time, and I, sure I really hope, so. hope it's. There's so much potential. There's, but at the same time, there's a lot of room for letdown, especially coming off last year's Super Bowl. I was actually talking about this with my roommate earlier this week. We last year decided to do a sober February. So we went completely, completely clean, uh, no alcohol, no fried foods. We ate healthy. We were working out the first day of that sober February or like that sober month we decided on was Super Bowl Sunday with the uh, (laughs) the, the, obnoxious day to start on the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. That was one of the most unwatchable Super Bowls by the second half. The only thing good was was the beers. Uh, Bro, I got up four times off the couch to go run down uh, to the quick trip right down the street to buy beer. And I just tell myself, no, you fucking putts stick to something. You don't need alcohol. And the thing is like, I, I would much rather just be belligerently drunk than as sober as I am watching this. This it sucks. Sham of a football. Game. So, so to speak on that just real quick, my memory from last year's Super Bowl, I was, I was managing a bar. It was a bar at, at an apartment complex. It was part, like an amenity, cool little event center type thing. So I got to put on events. And obviously what I was going to do was a Super Bowl party. So I'm like, heck yeah, you know, Pat's Rams. Like we got Brady. We got the the best offense McVay in the league. Milchick. Yeah, we got yeah. McVay coming in, changing of the guard. Every storyline was in play. And we filled up. And the everybody that was there by the, you know, by the second, third quarter, you're sitting there like, uh, what the fuck's going on here? Is there anything else on? <laughs> yeah, it's like, can we watch a movie? It's like, shut up, shut up, everybody. It's There's gonna be fine. Some basketball games, yeah. On right so now. it was like searching was, for something else. And what was crazy was that the week before that that Pat's Kansas City game last year was one of the best games I've ever Absolutely. seen. It was electric. So to touch on that, I hope, or to I guess fast forward until we're here now, I'm super excited that the odds seem to be very much in the viewer's favor that this year is going to be an all-timer. I completely agree. Uh, it's it's going to be a hell of a game. You know, I'm just going to speak that into existence. I refuse to believe that we will be let down by this game because you look like across it. both like rosters it. and there's just so much talent there. Mm-hmm. It's, let you know, I like doing this. I'm a very, you know, I crave structure and I like making lists and doing, you know, comparing and contrasting. Big Venn diagram guy. Pros, cons, the whole sure. line. When it's a matchup <laughs> that is this close, and I think the line, last time I checked, it was like, it was like minus two and a half, KC minus two and a half. I think it dropped to a point and a half. At this point, point and a half. So yeah. Kansas City is favored by a point and a half. When it's when it's a game as close as this, I like to go through the rundown. You start with the head coach, then you go quarterback, you go skills players, you go both lines, um, and you sort of, you pick it apart like that. So in this case, you have Andy Reid, uh, one of the greatest coaches without a Super Bowl, versus uh, Kyle Shanahan, one of the great minds of uh, you know the next generation of, of, of football coaches. Uh, starting from there, let's break it down. Coach versus coach, Andy Reid, Shanahan, who do you got? Shanahan. I would tend to agree. You know, I'm rooting for Andy Reid. I want the dude to finally secure ring numero uno. I think this is his best opportunity to do so, but I think Shanahan's a better coach. Quarterbacks, you got, you know, 
that's not even a conversation. Yeah, this this it's one goes without saying that it's Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback not only in this game but in the entire NFL. Then you have skills players. That's it, you know, it's the two best tight ends in the league. Uh, Who would you take between the two of these oh, guys? Oh, Kittle. Kittle, you think oh, so? Yeah. Is oh, that just because yeah. you don't like Travis Kelsey? Oh no, I I you know I don't. I don't like Travis Kelsey. Or do you I, think Kelsey's more of a product of Mahomes where Kittle kind of I think, creates I his think own stuff? I think both are fantastic, but you look at Kittle, you look at George Kittle, and he dude is just a force, man. He yeah. refuses to go down. It takes two to three to four tacklers to bring him down. He invites he plays, the contact. He, he plays loves through it. anything and everything. Earlier this year, he was playing through a, a bum ankle, and he just he just continued to just drag defenders downfield. Um He's but, been quoted saying that he likes blocking more than catching passes because he craves the contact. Football guy, dude. That's a true You've got to respect guy. the fuck out of that. I think uh, Kittle slightly uh, edges out uh, Travis Kelsey. Both, I mean, the, the the two best tight ends in the league, and there's not really an argument there. Mm-hmm. Um, th- elsewhere, but again, uh, the Chiefs have, certainly have the better skills players. And it's, it's not even question. a question. Just yeah. speed. Just speed all across the field. Um the lines defensively, I you have to go. You have to give the edge to San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco imagine. definitely has the better defense. I mean, too. You, the, the the difference between Nick Bosa has been a force, and everybody's asking during media day. I was like, okay, so what's the difference between this defense and last year's defense? And they, the, you know, everybody's being asked this question is like, uh, Bosa. <laughs> His name uh, is just, Nick Bosa. That's yeah, who. <laughs> dude is just electric, yeah, and he just is. he's he's going to be in the league for a long time. Mm-hmm. At least you hope so. Uh, just yeah, absolutely uh, uh, just a freight train coming for you. That's going to be a lot of fun watching uh, watching Jimmy G try to elude uh, Bosa. Uh, Mahomes, and, Mahomes. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my bad. That, but that honestly, that matchup, because uh, we both know Mahomes is shifty, and he demonstrated that last week, um, or two weeks ago rather, uh, when he was sort of forced to his left side and you broke the play down masterfully. I was listening to our last pod. If you haven't listened to it, uh, please, you know, give us a listen, get, download, rate, subscribe, blah, 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 doing the whole whole kid and caboodle. But you said he was forced to his weak side and do just busted out a 24-yard run. So when he's outside of the pocket, Mahomes is incredibly dangerous. However, Bosa's closing speed is... Uh, just it's, I think it's supernatural, it's, man. It's second to none in the NFL, yep. and so it'll be interesting to see if the San Francisco defensive line can pressure Mahomes and get him out of the pocket. That'll be it'll be a true like who's faster type situation, and I think that's the matchup to watch because I'm I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Sorry to jump the gun a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm going to pick the Chiefs. And if San Francisco has any chance, it'll it's going to be reliant on that defense to make Mahomes uncomfortable because that's the only way that, that they're going to be able to the 49ers cornerbacks in their secondary is, is quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that last week. They shut that in, in conjunction with uh, uh, their, their, their line. They shut down Aaron Rodgers, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now to get that matchup, you know, Bosa uh, versus Mahomes that's sort of predicated on the fact or relying on the fact that those cornerbacks are going to be able to shut down perhaps the best receiving core in the league. And that's a conversation for another day who has the best receiving core, but that chiefs receiving core is, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's deadly speed, man. They can score so quickly and you have to be able to shut down 
all those wide receivers because even if you stack two against uh, against one of their where one of their threats, there's still a dude running like who's going to be wide. So that's open. that's why they're so good is because they're not like let's compare them to like the Saints for for right. example. You shut down where Michael you shut down Michael and Thomas and, and there's you know there's other guys that that don't have his elusiveness, but with the Chiefs. Sure, Tyree kills your number one guy, mm-hmm. but McCole Hardman's hard as hell right. or fast as hell. And, and then you have Kelsey across the middle. Yeah, and so they can bail out to him. And I don't know how many times in the AFC Championship game you're watching Mahomes drop back and you see him do that sort of quick step cock about to just just absolutely throw this thing down the field. And, and he reined it in and ended up dumping off the Kelsey. Um, but eventually he did connect Sammy Watkins deep. So... When you have a weapon like Mahomes who can throw it a million miles and you have receivers that are all pretty equally fast, it's incredibly hard to shut that down. So I think that the key to the to the San Francisco defense is going to be Nick Bosa, that whole line, putting pressure on Mahomes and forcing those those short passes and, and maybe even get a sack or two. I think, um, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot last last week and a half because you as as football fans you get that you get that two week break to sort of you know sort of come back into your right mind and analyze the game for what it is rather than just making all of these you know these statements that are just purely based on emotion coming straight off of the championship games Mm -hmm. but the common theme and refrain you hear in the nfl is defense wins championships uh and typically that's and that's the truth. It, and this is sort of a recency bias, but last year, the Rams high-flying offense, that was the most innovative uh, thing that you know anybody's seen across the league, the ran coming. into an absolute brick wall when they faced uh, the Patriots because they designed a masterful game plan. And I think this defense uh, rivaling the Chiefs, or excuse me, the 49ers, or, uh, the Chiefs rather, this week, is is better than the Patriots defense last year. Um, also, I think that, you know, we saw Shanahan against uh, the the Packers last week. The game plan going to that was masterful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Chiefs obviously had a very, what turned out to be a convincing win against the Titans, but we analyzed this last week. If you are Shanahan, you have to feel slightly better than Reed coming into this game because as Andy Reed, you had to show a little bit of your stuff. You had to reveal you know, a, a bit of your hand, whereas Shanahan got to conserve his complete, completely conserve his playbook. Um, yeah, you, it's hard to, I'm sure Andy Reid's not going into his preparations thinking, all right, all we have to do is stop Raheem Mostert. Like, <laughs> it would be so typical Andy Reid. That'd be so funny. To honestly. just gear in on the run goes, game. He's like, guys. He goes, engage eight every play. And guys, Jimmy Drew has like 400 yards passing. We saw what they did last week. I think they're going to run it back. I think they're going to do the exact same, same thing. And is it all of us are like, hey, Andy, um, maybe we should kind of, you know, devote a little bit of energy to their passing game. Because it's been pretty good this year. He's like, no, they, no, 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 no. We definitely don't need to do that. George Kittle, trash. Don't focus on him. We need to focus on their running game and shut it down. And then, like, you could just see them completely lighting up that defense yeah, for, we've like, been... 500-plus yards, <laughs> which is fun. not – it wouldn't happen, but that would be just, just textbook. That would be read. pretty funny. And and we, we've we been all on the Chiefs' offense this this whole kind of breakdown. The San Francisco is no chump, you know. They're, they're, they've got some talent on that offensive side as well. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, love that guy. 
He's been revolutionary to that offense. As soon as that trade happened, their offense took a turn toward what it is now, and and they've scored some points since then. So we both have Chiefs, and I think we both agree that this could potentially be a very close game. And if I had to put money on it, I would say it's going to be within a score uh, Mm -hmm. when, you know, all the dust settles. But you could easily see this becoming a situation where, uh, you know, the Chiefs are up with six minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. And uh, just Garoppolo's just, I don't know if he has it in him. I don't Mm -hmm. know if he has it in him to orchestrate that game-winning drive. We haven't seen him with his back against the wall. Both of these quarterbacks supremely talented. They both know how to win. I can't remember who had it, but it was if I had to put money on it, it was probably ESPN. Just they. This is, I think, the highest winning percentage of, of two combined quarterbacks participating in a Super Bowl. It's the highest it's ever been in NFL history. These guys know how to win games, but have we seen Garoppolo with his back against the wall when Shanahan hands the ball and said, hey, kid, go win this game for me? I don't think we have, um, and that's what I think the difference is going to be. I think it'll be close, like you you touched on. Um, and the line is usually pretty accurate, um, but when it comes down to it, if the Chiefs have a lead late, they're not going to give that up. Jimmy G's not going to be able to do it. Um, we've seen Mahomes throughout the course of this playoffs come from behind, come from dramatically behind in the Houston Texans game, come from behind in the Titans game, and it just feels like their year. Mahomes seems to have that kind of it factor that look um you watch him on the sideline and his body language is like i was so close last year i'm silencing the one percent of doubters i'm gonna win the super bowl and we're gonna you know start an all-time great career and i think it starts here um yeah so i think chiefs i think it's gonna be close but i think in the end andy reed gets a super bowl final score uh 34 28 Okay, I'm going to go 27-24, which is, I think, low. Um, you could easily see uh, Casey, you know, hanging 40 points on, on any opponent. But I think that both of these teams will come out firing. And you have to factor in, you know, the pregame jitters. Uh, you know, Mahomes, is, is not, he hasn't been here. Uh, Garoppolo has not been here. Mm-hmm. So you have to expect that there's going to be a, some nervousness. Yeah. It, just, it's, it comes to be expected. But... Um, I think we're in for a hell of a game. I think Chiefs get this because this team's never out of it. Even if they're down 24 points, you know, uh, history serves that they are still not out of football games. Regardless of who comes out on top, I think the winner here is going to be NFL fans. At least I hope so because, uh, you know, this this game is, there's so much potential. And it's, you know, the storylines are there. Um, you can talk about it all you want. And you can just basically analyze roster versus roster. And there's nothing that tells you or or, or speaks to you that the, there's going to be any downfall here. Or there's any potential for a disappointment. But you still have to play the game. Um, and I can't fucking wait for Sunday. Me too. Do you have any um, prop bets that you like kind of touching on? The one that I enjoy the most, I think, out of all the props is always the national anthem over under. And I'm pretty good at this. I've been I've nailed it the last three years, and I got some inside information for those who did not watch the Grammys. You sat down on Monday, uh, and you looked at me. I I think this was right after class, and you're like, "Dude, hammer, hammer the over on the hammer national the anthem. over." Demi Lovato and the over. She performed 
one of her songs that she wrote um it was a first grammy performance since she kind of relapsed on some stuff and that girl was singing she was belting out every note so she might go way over if i could bet the double over i might (laughs) because she was hanging on to every single damn note it was awesome so yeah that's my uh that's my prop tip over it's probably not an obvious one but i i always have the brain dead prop that you know tails never fails yeah if you're, if you're going on the coin toss uh but i'll probably dig into those later this week or you know i at least i i, I hope i do um <laughs> you know gotta see if that if that paycheck cash is you know just sort of kind of not not really kidding um but that's super bowl um i can't fucking wait like i said uh you know we both I think this should be our six pack bet of the week. By the way, I owe you a six pack on uh, based on the results of uh, the Farmers Insurance Open, where you uh, you just absolutely cleaned house, man. I had you had Rory, I had Tiger, and so we'll cancel that six pack bet. You know why? Because Kobe and Tiger were very very close, and he found he found out there, and there the, he found out after the round, but there was a. There was an aura that went on because, like I said, I was watching golf and the Kobe news broke and the broadcast kept talking about it, kept speculating about this Kobe now because he's a lifelong Lakers fan. And there was even people in the crowd chaining at him, do it for Mamba, do it for Mamba. And he had no idea what was going on until afterwards. And he gave a pretty impassioned post-round interview. And, uh, yeah. It's just kind of sad. Sorry that was one of the weirder parts of the story. Like the the guys who were finding out mid game. Um, you had the kid. I think it was from was a Michigan State who found out. Um, like during a, a mid like a, a post game interview mm-hmm. about this. Just like that was Tom Izzo just told told him. Whew, just yeah. I can't I can't fucking imagine mm-hmm. being in that situation. But uh, I hope I hope the NFL has something geared up to you know uh, sort of honor. His legacy, and I'm, I'm assuming they do. Yeah, Goodell actually. I was during the break. I got on Twitter, and Goodell said that during his media day stuff, he said that they're going to do something during during the Super Bowl. So I'm sure we'll see a pretty massive Kobe tribute at some point during the game, pregame, halftime, wherever it's going to be, um, which is the right thing to do, as they should. Shocking that Goodell did something right, but I guess just... he finally started <laughs> listening to his cronies. Fine. Yeah, finally. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. On the flip side of this, we have uh, we have some waste management open talk, mm-hmm. and we'll round it out with suicidal Jesse talking about uh, Bill O'Brien, the fucking Texans, and the Astros. Finally, another great settling. Another on great this. week for Houston sports. Just kill me now. <laughs> we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. We're moving on to the three-putt, our weekly golf segment, um, where we touch on everything happening on the links across the world. Um, Putt one here. Last week, Torrey Pines had kind of a shocking winner. After the first three days, we saw Australian Mark Leishman, who is a fan favorite. He looks like everybody's dad out there. And he had the round of his life at a tough Torrey course that was a little wet, a little cold, which which is kind of surprising for San Diego. So... He managed to shoot 67 and, and take, you know, the round from guys like Rory and Tiger, who going into the day, they were they were the hot picks. Um, putt two, we'd look ahead to 
the waste management open, which I'm sure Jesse, you're familiar with. Um, Hole 16, famously. The most icon- well, one of the most iconic videos of all time. It's definitely the hole of the year where everybody can kind of resonate with that kind of feeling. It's what you wish golf was every hole where there's people drinking beers, people lining up at 7 a.m. just to get into the grandstands. Um, if you're not familiar, hole 16 at Waste Management Open is a part three where they completely surround the green with grandstands and they just fill it up with people. And people sit there from 7 a.m. until the first group comes around three and a half hours later. So by this point, they're hammered drunk and they just want somebody to hit the ball on the green. If you don't hit it on the green, they're going to let you know. They're going to boo you. If you hit it on the green, they're going to cheer you. If you get a hole in one, it's going to be mayhem. Tiger famously made a hole in one here, which I'm sure you've seen this video. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Where the, the raise the roof after oh, yeah. him, so the fist he, bumps. Oh. So he makes the hole in one, walks down, he's raising the roof, and in the background you just see overpriced probably Miller and Coors lights going <laughs> going in the air. So to kind of highlight the the sidebar the craziest part of that like i just i would just love i know we talked about sh- the uh, the concept of like who would be this generation's shooter mcgavin but like literally if you cut up that video you could literally see him sort of like offset like go back to your shanties <laughs> yeah like, that's that's just, perfect like, the, honestly if you haven't seen the video you have to go watch it because i think the call was off also just like fucking iconic yeah because like, it, it was what, shocking if he i can't remember exactly what the announcer said but basically he implied like if he uh, like knocks one on the green this crowd's gonna go wild yeah. and like dude it just like landed said, like five the roof, feet the from roof's the, gonna get blown off this place five feet from the pin and just like rolls in and it was just deafening it was a perfect shot noise. in the prime of like that was this, tiger this was just tigers tiger. man it, it's it's one of the videos that when you when you google tiger and you're really going through like his best moments that one that's right really up there. comes up because it was just iconic so okay, I'm sorry for so, the sorry for the sidebar you know big, okay. big big tiger fanboy. so to, to transition to kind of what actually matters this week in particular unfortunately tiger is not playing this week he will not be making his um, waste management debut but we do have some big names john rom who was in contention last week he was the favorite after three days he had the lead justin thomas ricky fowler my guy sander shoffley's back um bryson dechambeau is back on on american soil here so that should be pretty fun because he like patrick reed is a douche um So this this takes this takes place in the desert. I'll just get right to it. My pick this week is Justin Thomas, who is the number four ranked player in the world and has just been on an absolute heater this year. In the last five starts, two wins, three top tens. JT came out. To, I, mean, I think you just showed me this. JT came out today at like a pro am wearing yeah. the, rocking the Kobe jersey. So he rocked the Kobe in the pro am, and to go a step further because JT's a huge Kobe fan, loves the sure. mentality that Mamba mentality like the rest of us do. He also has his wedges. He got them stamped. You can engrave stuff on wedges. Sure, all of them have Mamba mentality or RIP Kobe on the wedges. That Bro, he'll be who using is this betting week. against Justin Thomas mm-hmm. this week? If you are, you're an idiot. Yeah, because he's going to take this thing and he's going to run with it. Because not only is he harnessing that kobe love and that kobe man mentality that we've all come to know and love but he's also just a fucking sick golfer um i was watching the press conference earlier um they asked them what it means to be number one in the fedex cut points and he immediately detoured and said doesn't really mean anything this is me paraphrasing it doesn't mean really mean anything 
because I'm not the number one player in the world. And he said, I've been the number one player in the world for a couple of weeks. And the good thing about that is you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm better than anyone on the planet at golf. So that's where this guy, that's where his mind is. He's not happy unless he's number one. Plus he's my height and he absolutely pisses on the golf ball. So that gives me <laughs> the utmost confidence that somebody can do it. And it's not just tall guys like Dustin Johnson. So that's putt two. Putt three is interesting news in the golf world. Um, there's a movement, I guess, if you want to call it that, a, a Saudi Arabian-based company has put together this this idea that's gaining traction called the Premier Golf League. And what it is is essentially a tour, a separate tour of golf that takes place during the PGA Tour season. Um, it's obviously not a thing yet, but it's gaining traction because they have a lot of money and they're guaranteeing $10 million dollars a week in purses, which means every week the winners are going to get two million bucks, no cuts, and they're trying to entice the forty-eight best Let me, players can I, can in the I, world. Can I pause you there? Sure. Excuse me, stop you there. Um, for those who don't, uh, you know, who are, I guess aren't familiar with PGA purses, what's the average PGA purse? I'm not talking for like a major, but just like a, a run-of-the-mill tournament. Like, what would you be looking at? You're looking at a million bucks still, million one point two. So it's a lot of money, but it's not like two million bucks. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so basically, every year um, in golf, there's something called the FedEx Cup, and then at the end, the final event of the FedEx Cup is the the PGA Tour Championship, which that event has a two million dollar purse. So, they're essentially guaranteeing that every single week of the PGA Tour season. Um, there's going to be no cuts and some weird team events that go along with this. The reason this is this is noteworthy is that, um the PGA tours commissioner has already gone out and sent kind of, they haven't commented publicly on it, but they've talked about, or they've sent an email to members and players that if you are going to play in this tour, you are pretty much not going to play in the PGA tour, which is crazy because that's what we've all come to know and love. So I don't think this is going to become a thing in the end because I think that players value the the stability of the PGA Tour alongside fans and they want to see guys play tournaments that they've come to know and love and they want to play majors that is what we or are uh, is what we judge players on their, right. their careers on so, so we were talking about this earlier and um, you know I'm sort of out of the loop with with the you know these types of stories but I was immediately drawn to compare this move to something like you see in in the soccer leagues i guess so you have the epl mm -hmm. the german Bundesliga, in la liga but it would be i think more effective if at the end of their seat their respective seasons if they came together and had like one you know grand championship sort of like you have the champions league final right. but you were telling me that these would operate like they would be mutually exclusive and not yeah, ever so the, sort of uh, jive. So correct? the difference between and why that that wouldn't work because in a perfect world, that's I mean that's what makes soccer so great is that England has the EPL, then you got the Bundesliga in Germany and La Liga and uh, amongst the other great leagues, but they can all run concurrently because they all have equal like talent mm -hmm. in their individual leagues. And then they all come together and play this tournament to sort of decide who's the best of all these leagues. Right. The thing with golf is they run concurrently. And if you take 
Roy McIlroy and all the Europeans out of the PGA Tour, you're taking a significant amount of talent away from what the draws are on the PGA Tour. And it just wouldn't work that way. Um, so players are going to have to make a decision if it comes to it. Um, and I'm interested to see where it goes. There's been a couple pros that have talked about it. Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, who are two of the top 10 players in the world, Brooks being number one, mm-hmm. have talked about that it's intriguing, but they don't have enough information yet, which is kind of a reflection. Phil Mickelson, who is, is everybody knows who Phil is, he's more on the tail end of his his prime or he's way past his prime but he's on the tail end of his pga tour life he's been more vocal about it being something that he might do to the point where he even played in in a pro-am in saudi arabia with these guys Hmm. and then rory mcelroy who is rory mcelroy he's been adamantly against it and he's like this this won't work so it'll be interesting to see how much traction it gets as we approach the masters and the pga tour sort of takes on that more you know when they hit the prime of their season so if you were to move away you know these big name golfers if they move away from the pga and go to this this new association that you're referring to wouldn't that sort of cause uh complete disrepair to their marketability and correct me if i'm wrong um golfers make quite a bit of money on their their brand Mm -hmm. right especially the big name ones you know whether that's you know commercials their sponsorships or whatnot if you take the golfer away from the you know the western media conglomerates and that that you know that machine and he moved them to a completely relatively unknown um uh you know what what's what what'd you say the name of this this new potential the, Saudi Premier, the premier golf league so if you go to the i guess what would be the P- pgl you sort of take away all of the uh, the buzz around you wouldn't you expect or yeah see that is, so that's what i i agree with you 100 percent because if you and to my knowledge there's no u.s like venues and tournaments that are are thinking about kind of selling their tournaments to the pgl whereas they already have a couple like saudi tournaments and that dubai tournament who have expressed interest Mm -hmm. but that's such a like a a niche market over there that if you this if a player decides to go and play in this league they're going to be completely over there in europe in the middle east in asia and they're going to be outcasting their western like endorsements and fandom because you're it's just not going to be the same type of pull that you get for like a waste management open which takes place in arizona right and you're going to be watching on the weekend morning it's not going to conflict with anything else you're doing it the the golf market has a market here and that's why i don't think that it'll have much legs because there is that plus the the notoriety of playing on the pga tour and playing for these majors and they already have a European tour. There's already European guys that play on both tours. They already split their time. Rory, most notably, is probably the most predominant European player. Mm-hmm. And he, he plays in those events every every few months. And he gets the proper clearance for the PGA Tour. And it ha- they have a great relationship. So golf's in a good place right now with their personalities and their talent. And I, in the end, don't think that increased purses is going to pull the names that they need to make themselves make a splash in this golf market. The The golfers that are there are comfortable and they want to play on this tour because there's really nothing wrong with PGA Tour. See, I really hope you're correct because I hate change. Absolutely despise it. I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of the status quo. And if I flip on my TV on Master Sunday and I don't have the greats playing in front of me, I am going to cause a riot. So, yeah, and the PGA Tour Commission has already, like I said, come out and said that you can't do both. 
So at the end of the day, stuff like I, I hate change too. So there's certain tournaments that are they exist and they have this hold on the public because they're these tournaments, the Masters, the U.S. Open. These tournaments matter. So if we're gonna pull the golfers out of this because they're gonna go play in this tournament that's essentially just a giant money grab, doesn't have the same pull because I don't give a fuck how much money Rory makes for winning the masters i care that he won the masters yep so with this last you know last question before we you know go into another break before we wrap up uh would this affect something like like the Ryder cup or the president's cup or something like that to where if they go and play on this different tour they wouldn't be allowed to come back for um competitions like that or is that still right sort of it would like because the because like the president's cup and the Ryder cup the first eight spots are determined by your official world golf ranking so if they go and play in the the PGL, they're not, that's not a, an official golf world ranking event. Gotcha. It's not, it doesn't get you any points there. You don't get judged based on that. So hmm. if, you know, who's a golfer, Justin Thomas goes and plays at the PGL, he's essentially giving up his right to play in the Ryder Cup because they're not going to take his win in the insert Saudi Arabian tournament. Right. Because they don't it's give just a like shit an about that. Match, yeah, essentially. yeah. So it's it's just them playing for a lot of money, and that in the end isn't nobody cares I mean, about that. Money's money's a, a big thing, but it's not the most important yeah. thing. And I hope most of these golfers can realize that they can stay in the United States or uh, I think in, in Europe will, and, and still continue to play, cash a check, and maintain their marketability. But because yeah, because uh, these guys are all rich, so they value competing against the other great golfers in the world. Rory's famously quoted saying that he started playing golf to win majors you know that's why he's going to play golf i'll tell these golfers what i tell my roommate every time uh you know or hell anybody i go to winstar with who you know loses money while i'm just like you know cashing fat fucking checks (laughs) it's just money you can't take it with you that's true heed my advice you multi-millionaires but yeah justin thomas bet your mortgage on it he's winning all right wrapping this puppy up not going to be too long-winded here because I feel like me bitching about Houston sports has become an unfortunate mainstay in this pod. You can but make a whole pod off Houston. Jesse just fucking depression. whining about the ineptitude of <laughs> it's Houston sports. Fault, it's, <laughs> not it's, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Shout out Robin Williams, Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> what a movie, huh? Oh, God. One of my all-time faves. Mm-hmm. I was actually just sidebar. I just watched Dead Poets Society. Robin Williams, you ever seen that? Yeah, great movie. <sighs> Watched that last night. God, like I was listening to Simmons uh, or the Ringers rewatchables about it. Right. And I was just like, you know what? I got to gotta sit down and watch some uh, some good old Dead Poet Society. Um, so this week, earlier was announced that uh, Bill O'Brien was named the general manager of the Houston Texans. He was the de facto uh, GM <laughs> this season for the Texans after they parted ways with Brian Gain. And, you know... Most he must have crushed it, dude. <laughs> most diehard Texans fans were calling for his head after that absolute shit show and mockery of a game plan <laughs> in the AFC uh, divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs that saw Bill O'Brien make mistake after mistake after mistake that have become commonplace with the O'Brien uh, Texans era. Nope. However, promotion. <laughs> the fucker gets promoted. Now he is the head coach. And the general manager and the Texans are doomed for 
however many more years of this absolute ineptitude because uh mr mcnair uh, cal mcnair has i I don't know if it's uh he owes i don't know if o'brien has like some incriminating evidence of of his or you know the family the mcnair family owes the o'brien family something it's sort of uh, beyond you know something that i can comprehend or figure out it's ridiculous it's a fucking sham it's an absolute moronic brain dead move to make him the general manager because now he is his own boss and you know i asked you ryan is there any coach in this league who you would trust to handle front office operations as well as the on the on field product and the only name we could come up with is of course the goat uh, Mr. Bill Belichick himself. So you say you say Bill Belichick, and I agree with you that if the question is, is there any coach in the league that you would trust with both? That's the answer. But I still don't think that, like, if the if the Patriots gave Bill Belichick GM a GM role as well, I would think it was a mistake because the the head coach role is already so much responsibility that why would you not just hire somebody else? It's not like they're hurting for money. They they can hire another qualified person to work in unison with bill o'brien or with whoever the head coach is so why would they do this because bill o'brien ran off or wanted to run off rick smith the um general manager before uh uh mr mr brian gain and you know rick smith had some off the field stuff going he had some family issues so he took a you know step away from football uh you know and and you move on to the next gm who o'brien did not agree with he because he needs to be in complete control because he thinks he is above the law and he answers to no one so this is just a a case of him being a complete control freak at the expense of a future for the houston texans correct career uh his career numbers just want to clear that up yeah you're not i mean you're not wrong like yeah. typically i would like sit here and be petulant and be like oh man fuck you like you don't know what you're talking about stop chirping or whatnot and just being like a little bitch boy but like right now like it's just i don't even want to defend this move it makes no sense bill o'brien is like essentially a career 500 coach he goes you know it's it's like not he's nine and seven nine and seven he had a four and twelve season this season you, I, you know we finished what fucking ten and six like whoopee i whoopee you win the AFC South four times out of five years, and and that's I guess that's good enough. I guess being slightly above mediocre is good enough for the Houston Texans. And I've been, dude, you know, here here I fucking go. I said I wasn't gonna get like emotionally yeah, invested preach. in this conversation, but go off, bro. It's just there's if you're still buying season tickets for the Houston Texans, like I get it. Football's fucking awesome. This Texans team is full of really really talented players. But the the best parts of this franchise is it, it, it's in the past. It's in the past. It it, it died with Gary Kubiak's uh, his offense with Matt Schaub, Arian Foster, Andre Johnson. At least it was fun back then. At <laughs> least Texans football was fun. We were getting our asses kicked. We had no fucking defense, but it was fun to watch. Gary Kubiak was a likable dude. Now we get this bill o'brien character who thinks he's literally the second coming of bill belichick he answered he his media presence and um his ability to handle a crowd and his fans it's it's non-existent there's a a fame a pretty viral clip from earlier this season where a, a you know a a fan in the stands was like, Hey, fuck you guys. You guys fucking suck. It's like, you, you fucking suck too. Or something like he literally walked back out the tunnel. Yeah. During, DeAndre Hopkins had to bring him back in. Literally his players were like, coach, like bro, act 
like you've been here before. Like that's an Odell fans. Beckham move. Do not lower Baker Mayfield. Do not lower yourselves. Or excuse me. Do not lower your your. I can't even fucking put into words. Like, I'm just like so just disillusioned. Lions do not bother themselves with the opinions of sheep. That's flattering Bill O'Brien by comparing to a fucking lion because he's (laughs) a big old sheep. And this team is just destined for failure. I just say, I wanted them to burn it down. I, after every season for the last like six or seven seasons, I I'm sitting on my couch devastated after a wild card loss or an early playoff exit, or even the four and 12 season. I'm just like, burn it down. Burn energy down to the ground. This team sucks. Let me ask you something. Would you rather have an owner who overstretches his his authority and acts as the GM or an owner who gives an incompetent head coach more responsibility and names him the GM? So basically you're asking me, would I rather have Jerry Jones (laughs) or Cal McNair? Honestly, man. Would you rather, or, or rather, would you rather have? Because the the Tex the Texans and the Cowboys have have similar like situations where they have a really talented quarterback. They should be better than they are, but they're not, and it's all based on like from what I have seen, like managerial decisions. So going into the twenty twenty season, what situation would you can rather I ha- have? Can I answer your question with the question? Sure. Why can't I have Robert Kraft? Why can't my owner just be like, you know what? I'm just in my box, go down to the massage parlor, you know, on a Wednesday, you know, get, you know, handle my business and just like sit here like a fucking buffoon and give all of my power to the people who actually deserve it, who have earned it and who I know can win Super Bowls. Like, why can't my owner put us in a position to win? Like, is that, um, that might be that might be the recipe for success right there. The massage parlor. I think we should actually do. You know, we've been talking about. So you're saying you're saying the Houston Texas owner and Bill O'Brien both need to just be jerked off. Yes, that's all they need. Absolutely, because they. That's you know. I mean, I'm not gonna argue with that. I mean, you I, see Bill O'Brien. He looks so he's so uptight that his chin is a butt. <laughs> Dude, just his lives skin is on receding into edge. him. I mean, they've been. I'm, I was about to get really graphic, but basically they've been bend, bending me over a table for the last you know several decades. And so can we? Can I, we? I keep interrupting your because I see it in your eyes. You want to go down this just I don't I don't you want to go down this, this this hole here where you just want to like roast and make these comments about the Houston Texans and and I'm worried Always. about you when you get like that. Always. So I'm just gonna keep interjecting some some very fair <laughs> questions um, that I think are thought provoking and um, we'll love you out a little bit. So sure. what's your way too early 2020 Houston Texans expectation? Only sixteen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll go nine and seven again. We'll probably win the division, and um, we'll be having this conversation again in a year, provided that That's, the so, Texans have not, you know, sent me to an early grave. So is that best case scenario? Is nine and seven and an early playoff exit the ceiling? For I would, bro. Texans? I would absolutely love to be wrong about this. Obviously, I would be the first to admit that I had no idea what the fuck I was talking about, but. You look back into the history of Bill O'Brien as a head coach in this franchise, and they are just painfully mediocre. They are painfully mediocre. They do not strive for excellence. If they were to strive for excellence, they would have gotten rid of Bill O'Brien when he finished 4-12. and They would have gotten rid of Bill O'Brien after that absolutely just laughing stock of a defeat earlier this season to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like There is no reason this dude should be a head coach 
for the Texans, you know, it's it's like you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it to a different sport. It's like the Portland Trailblazers. You know, you run back the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum combo, and you just expect it to work. It just doesn't work. At some point, mm-hmm. you have to try something different. If you, that leads to a couple of seasons of going six and ten, so be it. At least you can accumulate some draft stock. And oh wait, that's right, we have no draft stock. We have no draft capital because we traded all the way because Bill O'Brien pioneered all these moves that didn't pan out. You make the Laramie Tunsil trade, you expect to go deeper than they did because you are mortgaging the future for present success because you have a quarterback on a cheap contract who, guess what? The Texans now have to pay. And I really, I feel my blood pressure rising. You need to bring me back. All right, Why don't we move back. on to I'll a bunch more? We, Actually, just one more thing before we bring it back. Yep. And it might be a mistake because of how high your blood pressure is rising, but I have to know that or I have to know your thoughts on the fact that the AFC South is is a little more competitive than it's been in, in a while. We have a Titans team that is actually pretty damn good. Yep. They made it pretty far in the playoffs, and they have a head coach that seems to know what the fuck he's doing, and, and an organization that is is highlighting those things and letting him do what he wants on top of a Colts team, which is always a, a move or so away. So if I'm a Houston Texans fan... I'm livid at this move, the- and and you obviously are. So I'm not I'm not trying to like pile on or anything, sure. but I'm trying to give my honest commentary on it. It's the worst move that's been made in the NFL in a really really long time. Yep, like it's it's, it's bad to to give a head coach that doesn't do anything and is is incompetent and just dumb. And the fact that like media in general is looking at this, and and we saw a couple ESPN shows when we were at the bar earlier. The, the people are just laughing at this move. So how can you be so dumb that you think that this is the right decision? It's not like he went freaking fourteen and two and they lost in the in the AFC Championship game. It's not like he has has a Super Bowl. He's not Mike McCarthy. Yep. Like he's a nobody. He's an absolute nobody. What is career than, highlight? Bro, he doesn't have a, he's one. He's less than a nobody. He's <laughs> he's less than nobody. His 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 the reason he got to the NFL is because he he you know he basically traversed the Penn State scandal. Uh, it led them to a, a or a bowl berth. I don't even know if they were eligible for a bowl that season. I don't think I don't believe they were. But he led them to a winning winning record with absolutely no talent <laughs> on the field. That's how he got into the NFL, and he's been, like I said, very average going. You know, since he got into the league, there's no reason to do what the Texans did. I don't understand it. There's no transparency. There's no way to rationalize it. My favorite sports writer for the Houston Chronicle, Brian Smith, uh, his headline, his column, I believe, was Bill O'Brien is the king with no crown because the dude has been given all this power for absolutely no reason. Hell, you want to bring him back as a head coach? Sure, fine. You know, you you made it to you made it to the AFC divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs. You lost to a, a clearly superior opponent. Maybe run that back and, and try to figure it out. But the defense was trash. The the offense just just crumbled when it needed to. The game plan was shit. The special teams was shit. It it didn't work. It didn't work. But I get it. You know, you went ten and six. It's hard to fire a coach after you go ten and six and and win a playoff game. I get it. Run it back. That's fucking fine. I would still have been disappointed in it. But the fact that you fucking promoted him is there's inexcusable. Absolute garbage. Mockery. Sham. I fucking hate this team burn it all down i truly do and i'm not trolling you but i do feel bad for you you know what and for texans fans on my because previous pod, on my previous pod and i'm going to circle back to the question you asked me would you rather be 
in this no man's land or just absolutely shit. Before the season, I was like, I want to go four and twelve. I want to go two and fourteen, six and ten, miss the playoffs, fire Bill O'Brien. Now it's like there's nothing. There's nothing. There's I don't. I want nothing out of this team. I expect nothing out of this team. Even if we do go two and twelve, I doubt we fucking fire Bill O'Brien. So what's well, more? He, what's more fun? He's got two jobs now. Well, now he has to. How know, can you fire help. a man with two jobs? Exactly. Then you got to fill two positions. Exactly. So into the season no when the Texans go two and twelve after paying Deshaun Watson ass load of money, like what? Bill O'Brien's gonna be like looking at himself in the mirror, like Bill didn't have a great season. Maybe we should reconsider. We could, you know, reconsider your contract, make a couple of moves. Like Bill, I understand what you're saying, but trust me for one more year. He's like Bill, you're absolutely right. He's literally just talking <laughs> to himself because there's no there's. No power Dude, structure I, that makes sense. But you know what, Ryan? It's okay. Totalitarian, totalitarian regimes, you look you look in historical context, they always work out really well. So you know what? Let it ride. Fuck it. I don't care. This isn't the United States. We live in a communist state. So maybe the you know the 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 Texans know what they're fucking doing because any totalitarian regime has always panned out incredibly well. Give one man all the power. And I just thought fucking let it ride. I thought that the Cowboys were the most incompetent team in the state of Texas, but it turns out Wrong. that the Texans are far. Hey, at least we get an XFL franchise starting next year. Sick, dude. Yeah, can't fucking wait. I might just buy, fucking buy a jersey just just out of spite, just out of absolute spite. But you know what, Ryan? It's okay. We're done talking about the Houston Texans. Houston Astros. We were sitting in a bar earlier today. Oh, oh yeah, the, the 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 other side of town. The the literally the only reason my heart continues to beat the Houston Astros, who are in a world of shit themselves. Yep. What's up with Houston? I see. Man? I see, you know. Let's Must start, be the pollution. I'm, There's I'm something in the air. I'm putting myself on a timer. The Houston Texans. There was a, a right. Yeah, you post. got. You have. You, so. Let's let's wait. Okay, you have one minute to go okay. to go Houston. So earlier Astros. I sent you a link, a Reddit post of a guy, a Houston Astros fan, who actually sat down, and watched all the game film, and he basically recorded every instance of a a sound. Whether that's a typically it would be a trash can banging. As we all know, the Houston Texans were accused of cheat, accused and found to have cheated um, by using a trash banging on, of a trash can to signal a change up. Or a certain pitch coming, which resulted in the Astros being the best team in the league, or ha- at least had a part in it. Um, turns out that uh, of the eight thousand pitches that this this Reddit user uh, documented, a thousand of them included some form of, um, of, of artificial sound, mostly a, a trash coming, which means that an eighth of the Astros' uh, pitches were known. Um, which is it's just completely dressed. Like it's just it's so much worse than I anticipated. Um, that he broke it down player by player. The Reddit post is like shout out to that dude for having the yeah that's a just, lot of work. I would have gone through like maybe a hundred pitches and be like oh nope can't fucking do this I hate this fucking team I, I all this is absurd we're a bunch of cheating rat bastards. However, Jose Altuve was only found to have utilized. He was actually the second least abuser of this you know this form of cheating which <laughs> I, the, the f- fact that i have to stick to that just tells you about where my state of mind is right now um but the astros are cheating fucks my life is meaningless and Houston sports continue to disappoint me and i thought it, that was as bad as it was going to get today found out earlier the astros hired dusty baker as their manager dusty baker who was recently fired from the washington nationals then who becomes the oldest manager in the league so you go from aj hinch perhaps one of the most uh you know, dynamic young minds in Major League Baseball to Dusty Baker, the safest fucking hire of all time. Um, signed him with a one-year contract because it was just, I think it was just, so, pure, just purely trying to generate good buzz about the Astros. Yeah, so essentially the Astros are going into 2020 season thinking we just want to play it safe, toe the line, 
don't care what happens not really trying to win because if we win it just adds on to this bullshit and just kind of like ride out a season that is going to be clouded with those cheating scandals every single time the astros take the diamond that's what they're going to be talking yep. about. So you get a guy who you could point to, be like, "Hey, we care about the integrity of the game. We went with one of the yeah, most, you know, Dusty Baker, one of the all-time winningest head coaches in Major League Baseball history. I think he's in the top ten, but just because he's, he's I think, old as shit, bro. His he's he has like a five thirty-two winning percentage. He's like again, this is Houston. We just strive for mediocrity. We don't want to be great. We just want to be mediocre. It's the pollution. It's fucking bullshit. I'm just. Just fuck it all. All right, let's take a break before Jesse offs himself. I need to give him a hug, maybe rub his back, and uh, probably probably crack a beer, smoke a cigarette, the whole nine. And we'll be right back to close this puppy down. All right, while Jesse continues to lower his blood pressure through various holistic methods, a.k.a. drinking Bud Light, um, we're going to move directly into our final thoughts segment of the day as we wrap up this pod. Um... Mine's a little somber this week because of the news that we discussed on the top of the podcast about Kobe. Um, it shook the sports world, and I think it's only right that we kind of honor it one more time and just kind of talk about just what that loss means to everyone, what it made everyone feel as a community. Um, it sucks losing people. It sucks losing people in your life. Um I've never lost somebody super close to me. I've been fortunate. I think the the most devastating death in my family was when I lost my grandfather, but I was so young that it's kind of a distant memory at this point. So it's just the, just the, I guess my thought is, if you have people you love about or love, have people you care about, your friends, your family, the people you've known forever, just reach out to them, tell them you love them. Give them a hug, spend time with them, and don't let moments pass because you never know when it's going to get taken away from you. And once people are gone, you you can't talk to them again. I think um, Shaquille O'Neal made a great point during his during his impassioned talk on the TNT broadcast last night, where he was like, "We're never going to get to bicker again. We're never going to get to argue again. We're never going to get to talk." A- talk about hey i have five you have four man if we stay together we'd have 10 those kind of jokes and stuff like that are, are things that we take for granted every day um as we move through a really a really fast paced modern world so to summarize just i mean just hug your friends hug your family tell them you love them and don't let petty shit get in the way of lifelong relationships that's all i got i uh well, very well said. Um, you know, you can bring a little bit more uh, context into this than I can because you're a bit older than me. Um, and I'm, you know, very glad that you have the ability to do so. Um, my, uh, I'm gonna stick on the same vein. And, you know, we've, we've had this conversation where I talk too much and I interject way too often. And um, what I'm going to do to wrap this up <clears throat> is uh, read Kobe's uh, parting thoughts Um when he retired, he wrote um, something in the Players' Tribune uh, called Dear Basketball. And we're going to leave y'all with this. Um, these are his words. And I felt like it was most appropriate to uh, send off Kobe with, with his own words instead of me just talking about him. 
So hopefully I can do this ju- this justice. Dear basketball, from the moment I started rolling my dad's tube socks and shooting imaginary game-winning shots in the Great Western Forum, I knew one thing was real. I fell in love with you. A love so deep, I gave you my all. From my mind and body to my spirit and soul, as a six-year-old boy, deeply in love with you, I never saw the end of the tunnel. I only saw myself running out of one. And so I ran. I ran up and down every court after every loose ball for you. You asked for my hustle. I gave you my heart because it came with so much more. I played through the sweat and hurt, not because challenge called me, but because you called me. I did everything for you because that's what you do when someone makes you feel as alive as you've made me feel. You gave a six-year-old boy his Laker dream and I'll always love you for it. But I can't love you obsessively for much longer. This season is all I have left to give. My heart can take the pounding. My mind can handle the grind. But my body knows it's time to say goodbye. And that's okay. I'm ready to let you go. I want you to know now so we both can savor every moment we have left together. The good and the bad. We have given each other all that we have. And we both know, no matter what I do next, I'll always be that kid with the rolled up socks, garbage can in the corner, five seconds on the clock, ball in my hands. Five, four, three, two, one. Love you always, Kobe.